You're listening to the New Hope Church Podcast. To learn more about what we're doing on the south side of Indianapolis, you can check us out online at becomehope.com. If you like what you're hearing here, be sure you check out one of our companion podcasts. We have a daily devotional podcast called Let's Find Out Together, as well as an apologetics podcast called Salty Saints. Let's listen in as today's talk comes from Randy Spate. My name is Randy. I'm one of the pastors here at New Hope. We're in the middle of an Advent series. The series is called He Is. Last Sunday, we looked at Jesus as the Lamb. He is our sacrifice. Today, we're going to look at the olive branch that Jesus brings us from God. He is our mediator. Now, an olive branch. Why in the world is an olive branch a symbol of peace? Have you ever thought about that? Well, in Greek mythology, long, long, long ago, at least September, Zeus came to Athena and Poseidon, and he said, uh, I'm going to have a contest, just you two. The winner, just so you understand, the winner gets the land that eventually becomes Greece. Zeus says to Athena and Poseidon, impress me. So Poseidon, being who he is, he's the the god of all underwater and has a trident. He goes down on the land. He takes his trident and he... And he smashes a mountain. He just demolishes it. Nothing but dust left. And water begins to come up where the mountain was. Salt water. That eventually becomes the Aegean Sea that runs alongside Greece. Zeus says, "Uh, pretty good. Turns to Athena and says, your turn. Athena goes down to the ground. She takes a seat. She digs a little hole and she puts the seed in the ground. She covers it up and a plant begins to grow and it becomes a tree, an olive tree. And she says, Zeus, here, lie under the tree. And there was great shade because the olive tree is so big. There's so many leaves. And then fruit began to come from the olive tree. And she took the fruit, she gave it to Zeus and said, here, try this. And it was an olive And Zeus said, Athena, you're the winner. So they founded a city and they named it after Athena. It becomes Athens. And today we have Greece. And since that time, the olive branch is synonymous with peace, with harmony, with gentleness. Just like Athena won the contest with a plant that grew. The olive branch appears in a lot of different symbols. One of my favorites is uh, right here in the great seal of the United States. It's not the seal of the United States. It's the great seal of the United States, just so you know. And just so you know, when you look at it, you will see a number of things that are 13. The eagle has a flag on its chest. There are 13 stripes on the flag. There are 13 stars in the blue field above the eagle's head. 
In his left talon, the eagle is clutching 13 arrows, and in his right talon, he's clutching an olive branch, and the olive branch has 13 leaves and 13 olives growing on it. And just in case you were wondering, the motto of the United States, E Pluribus Unum, out of many, one, happens to have 13 letters. But we're not looking at 13, we're looking at the olive branch. The eagle is holding the olive branch in his right talon. That's the favored arm, that's the stronger arm. And the eagle is facing the olive branch. Now, Charles Thompson was secretary of the Continental Congress. He's the one who actually designed this seal. He said the olive branch and the arrows denote the power of peace and war that's vested in Congress alone. And notice the olive branch is in the right talon. And the eagle is facing to the right. What that means is that we as a country prefer peace. But we'll wage war if you make us. That's what the great seal of the United States is about. An olive branch. Today, Jesus brings us an olive branch from God. Jesus offers peace to us. The author of Hebrews actually talks about this in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6. He says, but now Jesus, our high priest, has been given a ministry that's far superior to the old priesthood. For he is the one who mediates for us a better covenant, a far better covenant with God, based on better promises. And then in the next chapter he says, that's why he is the one who mediates a new covenant between God and people, so that all who are called can receive the eternal inheritance that God has promised them. For Christ died to set them free from the penalty of the sins that they had committed under the first covenant. Now twice here, the author of Hebrews says that Jesus mediates for us a better covenant than the one that we had. He offers us an olive branch. The question is, why is that even necessary? Why do we need an olive branch from God? Aren't we all God's children? Well, last week, you remember Zach told us that Jesus is the Lamb of God. Jesus is the sacrifice. And it was necessary for Jesus to sacrifice himself because we had disobeyed God. We had broken the commandment, and the penalty of breaking the commandment was the death of an animal, a lamb. Jesus is that lamb for us. Now, that is looking at Genesis chapter 3 under a certain system of social values that focuses on guilt and innocence. 
We broke a law. We are guilty. We want to be innocent. So Jesus dies for us so we can be innocent. Today, we're looking at a different reality, something different that takes place in the book of Genesis. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, just after Adam and Eve sinned, when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. And they hid. They ran away. They left. Because you see, it wasn't just breaking the commandment and needing a sacrifice for sin. When Adam and Eve sinned, they also broke the relationship that they had with God. God apparently would come down on a daily basis. And in the cool breeze of the evening, he would walk around with Adam and Eve in the garden. And they'd just chat. They'd just talk. They would just enjoy each other's company until sin. Now they were ashamed. Now they hid from God. Now, they had lost that relationship, that, that family relationship that they had with God. That's a different value system. That's the value system of honor and shame. Adam and Eve now felt shame. They had lost the honor of being in that relationship with God. And it wasn't just Adam and Eve. It spread to their children too. The very next chapter says that they had two children, Cain, the older, and Abel, the younger. Genesis 4 verse 3 says, when it came time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift. The best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. Scripture goes on to say that God liked Abel's offering. And he wasn't that crazy about Cain's. Now we see why in the passage. Cain offered whatever he happened to have around. Some of his harvest. Abel offered the best. He handpicked the best, the firstborn, the best that he had, and he brought that to God. God looked at that and said, yeah, that I like. Now, what would happen next? Normally, in a family, a son who knows that his father is not happy with him, but he's not totally sure why, would go to his dad and say, what's up? What I do wrong? Tell me what I did wrong so I can fix it. Cain doesn't do that. Apparently, Cain is not on good speaking terms with God. So when he realizes that God likes Abel's sacrifice, and he doesn't like his own sacrifices, he thought to himself, i got to fix this. 
I know what I'll do. I'll kill the competition. And that's exactly what he does. They go out in the field and Cain beats his brother Abel to death. And then he digs a hole and he buries Abel in the hole, thinking that he has hidden what he has done from God. But all he does is he perpetuates that separation from God. Ever since then, we have been separated from God. Now, you might think that that's a little strange. Why in the world are we affected by something that happened centuries and centuries and millennia ago? I'm responsible for my own sin, not for the sin of somebody else. So why do I pay the price for what they did? Well, the Apostle Paul deals with that very question. In Romans chapter 7, Paul looks back at Genesis chapter 3. And in Genesis 3, he says, first of all, the serpent came to Eden. And lo and behold, Genesis 3.1 says, now this serpent was beautiful and he was trickier than all of the other animals. And the serpent began to talk to Adam and Eve. And the serpent said, uh, so can you eat from this stuff? And they said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We can eat from anything, anything in here except that. Really? Yeah. Why not? Well, if we eat of that tree, we'll die. And the serpent said, oh, no, 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 no. You won't die. God knows that on the day you eat of that tree, you'll become like him. You will know good and evil, and you'll be like God. And so they sinned. They took that fruit. They broke that command. And then they died. Now, their death didn't come right away. The Lord came to him and said, you will eventually die. But the death of the relationship started right there. Adam and Eve were separated from God's presence. They were actually driven out of the garden. Then Paul takes a look at himself. And in Romans chapter 7, he says, I knew the command. I learned the command. I knew what it was that God wanted me to do. And the power of sin came to life. Once I knew what it was that God wanted me to do, immediately I started having thoughts. What if I don't? Now, Paul said that he knew not only what he should do, but he knew the punishment if he didn't do it. But sin deceived him. Sin said, ah, oh, the punishment isn't that bad. And look at the upside. Look at everything you get if you sin. So Paul sinned. And then Paul died. Again, 
Paul didn't die on the spot, but that relationship with God died. What Paul is saying is that he personally identified with the fall. And as Paul says that, we all look at it, and we can all identify with the fall. You see, it doesn't matter if Adam and Eve sinned millennia ago. The reality is I sin. The reality is sin becomes present in my life, and sin deceived me, and I sinned, and I died. We all identify with the fall. Paul says this happened to every single person who has ever lived. And it happened over and over and over and over again. Do you remember last week, Zach at one point in the sermon said, I, I just see Satan kind of scratching his head going, well, this didn't turn out like I thought. Do you ever wonder why Satan did that? Do you ever wonder why Satan decided to challenge Jesus? I think I might have at least part of an answer. You see, Satan, throughout the history of the world, presented to every person who has ever lived the option of leaving God and following himself Everybody did it. There was nobody who resisted him. Satan won every battle he ever fought. He never lost. Social science tells us that around the time of Christ, about 55 million people had been born and died in the history of the world. Satan looked at his scorecard and he saw that he was 55,019,222,015, give or take three or four, to zero. He never lost. And he looked at Jesus and he said, okay, Jesus is fully man. He's going to fall too. And he tempted Jesus. He tried. It was a harder battle than he had ever fought before, but he was still convinced that he could win it. And he tried. And Jesus didn't sin. Satan was convinced that he could get Jesus to sin, but he didn't. And when he didn't, he said, like Cain, all right, I'll kill the competition. And then he did. Jesus was crucified on the cross. And he died a very real death. But then, from the tomb, Jesus just kind of looked around and said, Nope. I'm not staying here. And he walked out of the tomb. Jesus defeated sin. Jesus defeated death. 
And now Satan was 55,019,222,015 to one. But in that one, we find hope. Hope that we can defeat Satan? No, I'll tell you what, that ain't going to happen. But we have hope that Jesus died and came to give us an olive branch so that that relationship, that broken relationship with God could be restored. This is the reality. Whether we have a smartphone or not, all of us live in a great universal Facebook. And at some point in our life, we looked at what we were doing and we decided to unfriend God. We unfollowed God. We stopped talking to him. We avoided him. Some of us even said, I, I, I just don't believe in God anymore. And God kept calling. God kept reaching out to us. He kept poking us, touching us, speaking to us. So we decided to change our relationship status. Now we didn't want to say that we rejected God because it's not so much that we rejected him it's just that sometimes we loved him and sometimes we prayed to him and then other times we ignored him sometimes we just wanted to do things our own way and so we said it's complicated and God kept calling us. He kept reaching out to us. He kept speaking to us. So finally, we blocked God. We said, I don't want to talk to you anymore. I don't want to listen to you. I don't want you telling me what to do. I've got it. I want to run my own life. So God sent Jesus with an olive branch. And he said, let's make this right. You really don't want to live that way. The reality is, we really didn't. But it was the natural progression of our own sin. Now here's how Paul described it. In Romans chapter 8, the chapter right after he talks about his personal identification with sin, Paul says, there is now no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Then a couple of verses later, he says, Christ lives within you. Even, even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you've been made right with God. You see, what Paul is saying 
is that our relationship with God was broken. And so Jesus became our mediator. Friends, if Jesus is our mediator, take the branch. Just take the branch. That's all you got to do. He's offering a brand new relationship. Just reach out and take it. Thanks for tuning in to the New Hope Church podcast. If you would do us a favor and like or subscribe on your favorite platform, we would really appreciate it. Also, if you happen to have any questions, feel free to reach out to us at questions at becomehope.com. Have a great week and know that we are praying for you as you seek to be Jesus in every corner of your world.